When I was about 11 years old, my family began attending what would probably be described as a conservative evangelical Bible church. I was in the fifth grade at the time, and the thing that I liked most in fifth grade Sunday school class was that my teachers brought us donuts from the donut store that was just off of the church property each week. One of the things that my kids really like about our church today is the donuts after the services. I liked the church for other reasons as well. It wasn't just the donuts, but they certainly didn't hurt. Anyways, I found at this new church that we started going to when I was 11 years old that it made sense. The lessons made sense. We were coming from an Episcopalian church. No shade at the Episcopalian churches, but the more traditional and more liturgical church was, frankly, for an 11-year-old, a bit more boring. Or at least it just didn't make as much sense to me as the new church we started going to did. So I liked the new church better because it made more sense. I've been a part of that new church ever since I was 11. When I was 28, I became the pastor of that church. So I have now been at the same church for 30 years. Kind of frightening how fast time goes by. But when I was growing up through the youth group of my church, I found that in the 90s, that's when I was in high school and junior high, there were a lot of additional things added to faith. A lot of times additional things added to faith are added with sincerity. People don't always add things to the faith because of any sort of evil intentions. In fact, rarely have I found that it is wrongly motivated when people add things onto the faith. They add them for righteousness sake. We adopt standards and rules and we establish traditions and practices because we want to do our best to be upright and to be as good as possible before God. So we add things. If you want to really be right with God, then you must not drink alcohol. You must not smoke or do drugs. You should not date. You can only court people, whatever that is. You shouldn't listen to secular music. That was kind of a big thing when I was in high school. You must be baptized in this church or be baptized in this way or be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues or believe in the pre-trib rapture or read the New King James Bible or better yet the OG KJV, the original King James Bible. Or you must read all of John Piper's books or you must not read or listen to anything by Rick Warren. We add things. The early church 2,000 years ago added things as well, or at least they were tempted to do so. We always are tempted to add more things. The New Testament book of Acts, which is the early history of the early church, it records how that the earliest missionaries, Barnabas and Paul, they brought the gospel to a bunch of pagan foreigners, Gentiles, in what is now modern-day Turkey. Then it was Galatia, and the churches were planted among these Gentiles, and they were, in New Testament Bible lingo, converted. This conversion of the Gentiles caused great joy in the early church. 
That's what happens when pagan people become Christians. Great joy results. But when news came back to home base in Jerusalem, some that had become Christians from a strict religious sect called the Pharisees, they rose up and said, well, we need to add some things. These new Christians need to be more like us. They need to keep the law of Moses because they came from Judaism. And not just keep the law of Moses, but they need to be circumcised. That's a big step. We're always tempted to add things. I think these Pharisees were probably well-meaning, well-intentioned. They wanted things to be done right and righteously. Fortunately, the church had the good judgment to be very slow in adding things to the gospel. In fact, they did not add the law of Moses or circumcision to the gospel. Yea, says every Gentile. What is the result when we add things to the gospel? Well, we make it less gospel. We make it less good news, and we make it more good works, which good works are good, but good works don't save. The gospel of grace brings salvation. And I found that a number of other things tend to happen when we add things to the simplicity of the gospel. Two specific things that I have noticed relatively recently. I've noticed this among Christians that are roughly the same age as me, those that grew up in similar conservative evangelical Bible churches through the no secular music, no drinking, no dating, no Rick Warren 90s. First on what I would say is the negative side of things is a deconstruction on the lesser side and a deconversion on the extreme. Perhaps you've seen this. There have been a number of high-profile deconversion stories showing up in social media over the last several years. This is kind of fascinating to me. Don't misunderstand. I think it's sad, too. But it is fascinating because when I was in youth group in the late 90s, us conservative evangelical Bible church kids were told that we needed to prepare to share our testimony, our conversion story, how we came to faith and were radically changed by Jesus, which most of us didn't have a radical conversion story, but we still needed to have our testimony prepared so that we could tell people what happened in our lives. So these deconversion stories are like the 2020s equivalent of the testimony, call them the anti-testimony. The latest of these came just a week or so ago. The headline was in the news. DC Talks' Kevin Max announces he's an ex-evangelical who believes in the universal Christ after deconstructing, progressing. So that's one of the things that's happening as a result of this add-on Christianity. And I think Kevin Max and Josh Harris and Skillet's lead singer John Cooper and Abraham Piper, John Piper's son, and the Hillsong worship leader a couple years ago, Marty Simpson, and Paul Maxwell, they have all basically deconstructed and deconverted from an add-on Christianity. That's the first of these outcomes. This add-on Christianity promotes a deconstruction and a deconversion. The second, I guess, maybe on the more positive side or the less negative side of things further from the deconversion side is what I would call the adoption of a way of Jesus catchphrase Christianity. This is the, we need to break free of our conservative evangelical Bible churchianity and we need to follow the way of Jesus. And in this phase, it says things like, we need to be apprentices in the way of Jesus, or it just loves using the simple buzzword, kind of reducing it down to apprenticing in the way of Jesus. And this is all well and good and well-meaning. In some ways, 
it is the opposite reaction of deconversion, but it's the reaction and response to the same issue. The issue that they're responding to is this add-on Christianity, Jesus plus no secular music and no dating, etc. Some people respond to their add-on Christianity by deconverting. Others deconstruct unto an, I'm just going to follow the way of Jesus and not X church. I kind of understand this. To a certain extent, I understand both reactions. But here's the thing. Both reactions seem like just reactions, like highly reactive reactions, the kind that I saw in Mr. Ty's chemistry class in 10th grade, which I didn't do so well in. I hate stoichiometry. Just highly reactive reactions. On a podcast I was listening to the other day, a guy who said he just turned 50, so more Gen X and less millennial than me, he said that we need to get back to discipleship to Jesus. And the other guy that was on the podcast with him, he said, wait, explain what you mean by discipleship to Jesus. So he went on to say, discipleship to Jesus is the dismantling of inherited beliefs. It's the dismantling of structures that you thought could hold the weight of meaning and purpose, but they can't. It's the dismantling of authority figures that disappoint. That's a lot of dismantling and deconstructing, but that's discipleship? That That's becoming an obedient follower of Christ? I'm not so sure. It sounds like just another new set of add-ons to Christianity. Here's an alternate perspective. I'm still at the church I grew up in, the Donut Church. And we don't have a lot of those add-ons that we had when I was 11 or 17. We still have donuts and we're still reaching people older than me and younger than me. And we still teach the Bible and we don't talk about apprenticing in the way of Jesus, but we're still trying to preach and teach the scriptures and equip people to live and walk in obedience to them for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. Something to think about. We'll see you next time.